All right, so we decided to do this series uh, and, and call it um, the, the wonder of it all because Christmas just has a lot of wonderful things that happen and uh, things that happen during Christmas, a lot of times we sort of wonder at. Last week we talked about the backdrop for Christmas, which is this, this idea that the way we've tried to fix life and go about life has, has not always worked. In fact, usually it doesn't work at all. And so God has his own plans and, uh, and it leads us to this next step in our lives, which is very similar to the next step that Mary had in her life and Joseph had in his life and Elizabeth and Zechariah that we talked about that they had in their lives. Now, which this next step is that you have to learn how to trust God in the journey. That's a difficult thing, isn't it? In fact, you have to kind of trust God for the journey because just like Mary, there are a lot of things in life that you don't have a choice in. The journey in some ways is already determined for you. I don't know if you realize this, but you know, a lot of people will say, I mean, uh, Jesus you know, lived in a part of Palestine in that part where um, Israel is and never traveled more than 20 miles from where he was born and, and, and where he was raised. And that's pretty much true. Jesus stayed in that little area of the world his whole life. So did Joseph. So did Mary, so did Elizabeth, so did Zachariah, because it was a different time, wasn't it? They couldn't uh, jump on a train, jump in a car, jump on a boat, certainly couldn't jump in an airplane and travel the world. Where they lived in their little part of the world was their world, and that sometimes feels very limiting. It feels like, man, I'm just being held back because this is it. How can I break free from this? You ever felt that way? In fact, especially at uh, Christmas time, uh, I've noticed that a lot of people struggle with exactly this. They just sort of look at life. In fact, I put a few in your outline. Here's a few of the things they might say. Maybe you said this, if only, you know, if only this had happened or if, if, if only that had happened, you know, then my life would be different or I would be happy, I would be satisfied. Or how about this one? Um, if this had not happened then, you know, things would be different. If this hadn't happened to me, then things would be different. If this had not occurred in my life, things would be different. Or maybe you're kind of like this one. This is more me. If I had just, if I just made a different choice, if I just picked something different, if I just pursued something uh, else, and I think this, is, this happens at Christmas time, and you might not like this part, but I think this is true. For some people, Xmas, and the reason I use the Xmas, I know a lot of people don't like that, is because the X does mark the spot. It marks who you are and it marks where you are. And the Xmas in Christmas is Christ himself, that at that spot, at that time, God changed things. But for a lot of people, um, the X in uh, Christmas is just a series of regrets, a series of if only, it's a series of if this had not occurred in their life. Well, think about it. For Mary, for Joseph, same thing. Same thing in their life. In fact, uh, I, I was telling a group yesterday we were meeting, I said, you know, I struggle with saying this because I know some people will be upset by it because it, it, it just won't go over well in our culture. But Mary's life as a 12 to 16 year old, because that's how old she was, when the angel came uh, to speak to her, somewhere between 12 and 16, it was just a, a part of the culture in their life. That was Mary's life. And pretty much where Mary was there between 12 and 16 was for the most part, 
everything that she was ever gonna be, everything that she was ever gonna do, everything that was ever gonna happen uh, in her life had already occurred, at least as far as location and you know her marriage and things like that. Because in their day, culturally, uh, marriages were arranged much more often uh, than they are now in our day. Doesn't mean that there wasn't love and it doesn't mean that, that people did not feel love or, or enter into marriage because of love. But because of the harshness of life, the difficulty of life, of families often that lived in the same region, and she lived up in the, uh, the northern part of Israel, up in Galilee. It, it, you know, Jesus has talked about coming from Nazareth, and uh, Nazareth was not a, a very um, prosperous place. In fact, when we were in uh, Israel in, eight, in April, our guide, who is Jewish, I asked him, I said, so uh, are we gonna go to Nazareth? Because, you know, Jesus pretty much you know, raised there, spent his life there. And he said, oh, no, no, you don't wanna go to Nazareth. I said, well, why not? He says, there's nothing there, <laughs> nothing to see. Very heavily populated, but he also says, very, very poor. Why would you wanna go to Nazareth? And, and, and honestly, I thought about some of the descriptions of Nazareth in Jesus' day. That was exactly what they said. If you remember, one of the disciples went and got his brother, and he said, this guy, he's, he's from Nazareth. He, and, he, and he says this, can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, right. So I don't know what you might, you know, pick what place you might think of in the same way, but that is the way that they thought of life. This had to be, had to be the way that Mary and Joseph thought of their life because this is the way life worked. And so their families probably knew each other uh, probably grew up in the same area, you know, as you kind of uh, have your kids. Sometimes you'll meet a family and you might say something like this. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our little boy, our little girl married your little, have you ever said something like that? And the reason is because you like this family. <laughs> we get along really well. Wouldn't that be special? Wouldn't that be something if our kids, you know, got together? Now in their case, Joseph would have been older than Mary because in their culture, uh, you certainly paired up your daughter with a man who was already established, he was already working, he has proven by his life that he can care for and take care of, of uh, his wife and his kids. That was part of the cultural ideal for them. So Mary's life was pretty much already determined as was uh, Joseph's uh, life. And so this is what uh, Luke, as he is talking about, her life, that's kind of a setup for it. This is what it says. We, we read these verses at the very end last week. This is what it says in verse 26, uh, Luke chapter one. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now Elizabeth is her relative, older, we talked about her, uh, could not have kids, all of a sudden she can have kids, where, where Mary lives in Galilee up in Nazareth. So here is the uh, Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River comes down, there's the Dead Sea. And then uh, over by the Dead Sea, not too far from it, is uh, Jerusalem and then Bethlehem before that. There's a hill country uh, above Jerusalem, which is where Elizabeth and Zechariah would have lived, where Mary's up here. It's not really very far as far as we're concerned, but for them, it was a pretty good uh, distance. Six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to where? Why would you go to Nazareth? You know, God, you know, I, that didn't make any sense. What is what is in Nazareth, you know? A lot of poverty, a lot of suffering, a lot of difficulty, but that's where, that's where Gabriel goes. He goes to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, 
uh, to a virgin named Mary. So just to let you know, in the Greek, the language here, a lot of people uh, debate this, you know, those who are critical of the Bible, the word here for virgin can mean young girl, which is what she was. She was a young teenage girl. In its context, as you read it, you will see why the translators translate the word virgin, which it could also mean. That means uh, she'd never been married, never been with a man, and never had uh, kids before. So the, her name was Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. So there's a line there for uh, Joseph. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, say this with me, greetings what? Favored woman. <laughs> the Lord is with you. To which, you know, it's not recorded, um, so I'm just telling you, you know, that this is just my idea, to which Mary replies, is there someone else here? You know, are you, who, who are you talking to? Because Mary does not look at her life as favored. The, the word comes from the word grace. It is the same word. You're a person that grace has been given to, that God himself, because he says, for God is with you, so he has bestowed grace upon you. It's sort of the same idea of blessing, but it, but it really um, carries even a more powerful idea that God has seen who you are, he's, he's seen you know, what your heart is like, what your life is like, and he has decided to just pour out his grace, his compassion upon you. Wow, what a greeting for Mary. See, I think this is important because most of the time, we tend to look at our lives, just as Mary might have looked at her life, and we look at our circumstances, you know, where we live, what we have. I mean, we live in a, in a very prosperous area in this part of uh, Texas, but not everybody lives in a part, place like this. You know, you can go to the hill country of Texas, and it's not nearly this nice. I'm sorry, it's pretty nice, you know, so I know a lot of people that have moved to the hill country. So, you know, you can go all over uh, the world and find nicer, less nicer, and our, our, our idea, listen, I, I have no problem with this, is if I can move to a nicer area, to a better area, then life will be what? Nicer, <laughs> it will be better, sure. Here is God inserting himself into her life. He, he, he comes, he makes a statement to her, uh, he's, he's, he, through his messenger, through his angel, he is talking about how he's seen her, he's been watching after her, he's cared for her. She is really, really young. She has no experience in her background to be able to relate to this and to understand this, but God is revealing himself to her in this way. See, I think your life and my life is like that also. It's not because God comes to us because we're, we're so smart, so talented, we live in such a nice place, Honestly, God often comes to us in a, in a different way because then we tend to recognize him more clearly that it is God himself that is speaking and moving in our lives. And I think this is the same thing with, uh, with Mary. So verse 29, in fact, say this part with me. I, I put it in your outline in blue. Say this part with me, right? Confused and what? Say that again. Confused and, you ever like that? Sure, just like Mary, sometimes I, okay, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And then this other part, Mary tried to what? She tried to think, I'm gonna figure it out. What could the angel mean? What, what could this mean to my life? She's gonna use her thinker and try to figure this out. We do that too. 
We, we obviously do that. We're gonna try to figure out why am I in this situation? What is going on? Is there something that I need to learn? Something that I need to know? Have I made choices that I shouldn't have made? Should I make different choices? I mean, it, all sorts of things just sort of go through our life because we're trying to figure out the reality of this. And maybe there's something that we have missed as we've gone through life. And I think Mary is in exactly that same spot. Maybe there's something about God that she's missed. Maybe she doesn't understand exactly what, what God's plans are, of course, and he's revealing. I, I, like, uh, uh, I like a lot of the Christmas stories. And um, I don't know about you, but, um, and sometimes that doesn't go over well as a pastor. People don't like you to like the Christmas stories, but I do. I like Rudolph. I like Herbie. Um, you know, in Rudolph's story, right, who wants to be a dentist instead of an elf, I think that that's a great part of the story. Um, uh, I like, I like the, the classic Christmas story, Dickens, right? He writes in the Christmas Carol and Ebenezer Scrooge. Don't you like Ebenezer Scrooge? You know, yeah, because there's a little bit of Ebenezer in all of us that, that sort of sees life as we're going to make life ourselves, and we're going to, you know, hang on. And if we, you know, the way you become rich and powerful and happy, well, maybe not happy as you know, you make sure that you're miserly and you, you know, there, there's a part of that in, in all of us. You know what I really like is Tiny Tim. Who could not like Tiny Tim, right? You know, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the classic Christmas, God bless us, everyone. Yeah, because, I mean, so innocent and, and yet at the same time, he, his life is not the life that you would say, and I want that life or I want that life for my child. Great stories. And, and let, let me help you with, with the Christmas stories. If you, if you tend to push back against them or you struggle with them, all of the Christmas stories, or at least most of them, uh, have something of this story in them. There, there's something of the true meaning of Christmas, what God did when he sent his son Jesus into the world that is kind of woven into these made-up stories. That's what they are. They're made-up stories to illustrate something that the, that the writer decided would be really important to illustrate and to grasp of the Christmas story, which is a historical story that has been recorded. Not, this is not someone that decided to make up a story and, and sell some books. This is something that's been passed down for 2,000 years, and the story even goes back further than that if you go back into the Old Testament. But one of my favorites is how the Grinch stole what? Ah, oh, don't you like that one? Because there's a, there's a Grinch in us. Yeah, there's something about the Grinch. And so this is, uh, I, I, I've read this before on Christmas. This is uh, written in um, 1957. Do you realize it's that old? 1957, it was written. And this is part of what it says. Here's the Grinch. It says, 3,000 feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip top to dump it. So he'd stolen Christmas from them. Poo, poo to the who's, he Grinchishly hummed. They're finding out now no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two, and the who's down in Whoville will all cry, what do you think? Boo-hoo. Don't you like this story already? Oh, yes. It's a great story. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear, and he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry. 
very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags, and he puzzled three hours, I like this, till his puzzler was sore. <laughs> you ever been there? I, I just, I can't figure this out. I can't get these puzzlers. Then the Grinch thought of something uh, he hadn't thought of before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Yeah. I don't think that that's uh, unusual. I think that Mary is working her puzzler also. Maybe this Christmas, maybe your puzzler is going into overtime, right? And you're trying to figure out what does it mean? How do, how do I find what I'm really looking for? Is there really a God who cares? Is there really a God who has a plan, who has a, a place for me, a, a place for, for someone like me in this world? That's what Christmas is all about. And we struggle with it, it's difficult, because we, in our minds, we think if that's so, then it should be this way. But then there's this thought, maybe, maybe God has a better plan. And I think that certainly that is true with uh, Mary. So she says in verse 30, don't be afraid, or the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Again, there's that idea of this, this grace that has been poured out uh, upon Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called, catch this, the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So here is her response. She asked the angel, but how how could this happen, she asked. I, I don't think that, Mary, I, I read one um, commentator who I have great respect for, and as he said, so she knows the plan, everything's been laid out, but she's just trying to figure out exactly the mechanics of it and all too. I, I, you know, I understand why someone might think that because she's, you know, she's thinking, she's a young girl, you know, but she knows enough to know that's not the way children work, that's not the way that it comes. I think it's much deeper than that. I think Mary is struggling with, and what she's asking, maybe what you and I ask, it just doesn't seem like that's what will happen with my life. It just doesn't seem that's the direction of my life, that there's anything special about who I am. And this is the part where she struggles the same way you and I do. Can you trust God for the journey? Can you trust God in the journey Especially when the journey, the circumstances of the journey are not the way you thought it would be or not what you were looking for. Can you trust that maybe God has a bigger plan, a better plan, and that it will come, just like the Grinch found out, even if you uh, try to steal it all away or all the parts that you thought had to be a part of the story in order to find what you were looking for, they're not there. Yeah, but there's one part that changes all of it, 
And it was uh, God with Mary, just like it is God, or we have that opportunity for God to be with us. And the angel replied, here we, here we go. Here's, here's his answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. I, I don't think he's talking about necessarily just the mechanism of it. I think he's talking about God's plan for her. And if you go back in the Old Testament, you know this is so much a part of God's plan. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High, listen to these words, will overshadow you. In, in the Old Testament, uh, you see this overshadowing idea of God several times. And one that I uh, particularly like is at the very end of the book of Exodus. So you, know, you got Genesis and Exodus, so Exodus story of Moses rescuing the people. And at the end of Exodus, there's this idea of the tabernacle and God coming in, visiting with us, uh, with, with them, and, and the cloud that, that would lead them, and then it became a pillar of fire. And all that kind of finds its place with the tabernacle at the end of, of uh, the book of Exodus. And it uses this same language, even though this is Greek and that's Hebrew, it's still the same language of the idea that the, that the presence of God overshadowed the whole thing. It, it's not just... Um, that they're, they're clouds in the sky. It's, it's something bigger and more important that you can't really see or you can't really explain, sort of overshadowed the whole thing. That's, that's what Jesus did when he came and he overshadowed the direction and the will and the desires of mankind on earth. He, he kind of overshadows all that. And even leaving his spirit, the Holy Spirit with us, he comes to overshadow all of those dreads and dooms and despairs and all those things that might come over us and, and leave us feeling a certain way, he came to say, but wait a minute, there's something bigger, something more important, something more powerful that has come to, uh, to make a difference in this. And that was the same thing that he's saying to uh, her. He says, so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called here, even more, the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth, which Mary did not know at this time. If you remember when we were reading about Elizabeth last week, Luke records that when she found out that she was gonna have a child in her old age, that she goes into seclusion for five months. So she doesn't see anybody, talk to anybody. No one knows anything that's going on in Elizabeth's life. Um, she, uh, she goes and see her her relative Elizabeth, so she goes down south, coming down to the hill country above Jerusalem, uh, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she now is in her sixth month for nothing. Say this part with me, for what? Nothing is impossible for God. That, that's the overshadowing, yes. And can you explain it? Can you make it happen yourself? Can you work it? No. It's, it, this is just what God himself does in our lives. And once again, you know, we just have to decide whether or not we can trust him for the journey and trust him in the, uh, in the midst of the journey. So in, in uh, verse 38, it says, Mary responded. Here's, here's her decision. I'm the Lord's servant. This is the same word that could be used for a slave. She uses a pretty strong word. Um, I, I think purposefully because she recognizes that God has control over things that she does not have control over. She can't, she can't determine it. And she has decided to trust him. So she is willingly saying, I am here to serve him with my life. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel 
left her. So here's what I uh, thought I'd put in your outline, something to think about. Here we go. What is your next step? So Mary's determined what her next step is. What is your next step? Her next step is, I'm gonna trust God for the journey that he's gonna take me on because I can't control this. I don't know, I mean, she's gonna make decisions. She's gonna be a part of it, but she's still having to look to God and say, I will trust you for this journey. I will trust you in this journey that I'm gonna be going through. What about you? What's your next step? See, that's the challenge for all of us. Do we just decide, nope, not gonna serve him with my life. I'm gonna follow him with my life. I'm gonna try to make my own way. And for Mary, you know, if she determined something like that, she would have basically said, I'm gonna determine my own way. I'm gonna live in this little town of Nazareth, right? A little poor place, and I'm just gonna make the best of it, and that's the way it will be. Now, that's where she lives. That's where she raises Jesus and her other children that come uh, with Joseph. Later, they have other children. Jesus has brothers and sisters, according to the Bible also. It's just that Jesus was different than the other ones. Jesus uh, was born to her before she and Joseph consummated their relationship. This, this was a child born of God himself miraculously in her life, but she still lives in the same area. But you know Mary's life is not the same. Same place, same place, but her life is not the same because of what she understands, what she knows, and what she has decided that she will trust um, in looking to God uh, with her life. So here's my question. How can we know? How can you know that God is with you? How can you know that? See, I, I think that if you look at, at Mary's life and maybe if you look at Elizabeth's life, here's kind of the determining factor. You, you know when God does something for you, does things for you that you could not do for yourself. That's how you know God is with you. You couldn't do this. You couldn't fix this. You could not give yourself this, that opening psalm that we sang, you know, if you got caught up in religion's game, because religions are all about you doing things so that you can make God do things or you can earn your way or earn your right. So you are the one that is in control. Christianity and what Jesus offers to us, what God offers through Christ is God is in control. You're not in control, but you get a chance to say, I wanna be a part. And you get a chance to respond to what God does for you that you could not do for yourself. And all of a sudden, something changes inside of you when that happens. It, it's, it's like a manger, in a sense, that is just kind of formed inside of you that says, if you want to come live here, come live here. It's lowly. You know, it's not the, it's not the greatest place in the world. But if you want to come live here, then I'm open to that. Come live in my life. That's how you know that, that God is with you is because God has made an offer um, and you get a chance to allow that offer to become a part, a reality uh, of your life. So uh, next section, and I'm gonna read this. It's a little bit lengthy. If you turn to the back side of your outline, if you're in the book of Luke, um, you're gonna see that, that God is going to use Elizabeth, Mary's older relative, to help strengthen Mary's faith, her her trust as she goes along the journey because she will need, just like you and I need, encouragement, things to cause us to say, you know, this, this is worth pursuing. This is worth going down. And there are always gonna be times in your life, just like Mary's life, 
where you might have doubted it, where you might have struggled with it. Mary still has to, has to uh, raise Jesus uh, for the next 30 years after he's born. And he's, he's, he's not gonna be that much different um, than any other child, except we, we kind of know some things at around 12 years old until 30 where there's a big difference uh, in his life. So she's still gotta go through 30 years before she gets to that point. It says this in, in verse 39 of Luke 1. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. She goes down to where Elizabeth is, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and she greeted Elizabeth. Now listen to this, this is, this is really remarkable. She greets Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the, the child leaps in this connection that's there the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth, and it goes on to say in verse 42, 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, I don't know what a glad cry is, do you? I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, but it's, it's so impact with emotion, and she gives this cry, and she says, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed, and it, it literally it says, blessed are you among women. That means there is a, a recognition and a favor extended toward you from now on that other women do not understand and have never experienced. That's, that's the meaning of the phrase. You have been favored and you will be counted as favored even though Mary's gonna go through a lot of um, um, struggles and, and, and time here where all of a sudden she's pregnant. They know that she's just engaged to Joseph. How does that work out? In fact, you can read in Luke's gospels and in John's gospel where many times they still speak of Mary as isn't she the one that, in a derogatory way, isn't, isn't Jesus several times in the gospels, it says, they would say, but isn't he the son of Joseph? And the answer would be no, he's not actually the son of Joseph, even though that's the family that he lives in. But it was, it was something she still had to bear and she still had to carry with her and she still lived where she lived, still pretty much in a poor area um, was, was where her, her life was. And um, then it goes on to say, or she goes on to say, or, or Elizabeth, I'm sorry, goes on to say, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You were blessed because, say this with me, you were blessed because you believe. Yeah, you be, you're blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Wow. I, I think that's such a challenge. You were blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said he would do. And then Mary goes into this uh, wonderful sort of poem, sort of song. Uh, before this, we don't know if Mary was a songwriter. I don't know if she was. But she sort of writes this out of her heart. And, and here's, here's how it goes, her response. Oh, my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me, what? Blessed, yes. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy 
from generation to generation to all who, here's the word used in a positive way, all who fear him, all who look to God, that's what this fear means, they have a healthy fear and respect of God that he can do anything he wants to do and look at what he has done for me. His mighty arm in verse 51 has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. Don't you think this is interesting that she brings this up? In fact, think about it. Why do you think she brings this up? He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones because she wasn't one of those. <laughs> and because her state looked lowly, most of the time the proud and haughty ones are the ones who are very prosperous and who have. And sort of they, they look at those who don't have and see themselves as being better and whatever. And so she is feeling this contrast, as you might feel also sometimes, and she's recognizing that God doesn't see it that way. And God doesn't, uh, isn't um, limited in how he deals with people by their status in, in this life or in this world. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones and he has brought down princes from their thrones and he has exalted the who? That means our state before God. Jesus in the Beatitudes, he even talks about, you know, it's that humility to recognize before God the poverty of our state. That's Mary. The poverty of our state in life before him and it's the one who recognizes that who finds his place in the kingdom, her place in the kingdom. Yes, because God doesn't operate by the same rules that uh, this world operates. Verse 53 says, he has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. I like that part because I certainly need mercy, don't you? For he had the, he made this promise to, his, to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Yeah. And then verse 56, isn't this the most inspiring verse? Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then she went back home. Isn't that inspiring? Okay, you should laugh at that. Yeah, that's it? <laughs> You know, one of the hardest things about Christmas, I don't know about you, but for me is I love all the decorations. I love the trees. In fact, we've got a little contest. Listen, if, if you've got little kids, the question is how many Christmas trees are there in the church? I mean, in the church, you know, lit up. And, oh man, there are a lot of Christmas and I love them. But one of the things I don't like about Christmas and the celebration of Christmas is come the end of December and the 1st of January, what happens? It all gets packed back up, yes. And there's kind of this emptiness, like what? Where did it go? And I know there's some people, I have some friends who keep the Christmas decorations up all year long, okay. But something doesn't work about that, right? In fact, I, I do have friends I go over and you know, in the middle of the summer in Houston, I go, yeah, the Christmas tree just looks a little awkward. You know, just, uh, and the mistletoe hanging, you know, it's withered, you know. So, you know, there, there, there's something about, it's a celebration, but at the end of the celebration, you know what you have to go back to? You have to go back to your life. Sure you do. You have to go back to your life. But you go back to your life different. If you have decided to trust in God, you've taken that next step where you decided, no, I'm gonna trust him to lay out the journey, even parts of the journey that I didn't know, I didn't anticipate, he, he'll lay out the journey as he chooses, 
and I'm gonna trust God in the middle of the journey that God would continue to give me his grace, he would continue to show me compassion, the places where I need to learn and I need to grow and things will be hard, it's okay because he's with me in those times also, he strengthens me in those times, and just like Mary, he will send signs, he will send things in your life like Elizabeth was with Mary that just remind you that God is faithful to his promises, that God has not forgotten about them. And if you read that, that Mary's hymn again, that's what you will notice in there. Boy, it's just woven all in it. All of the promises that have been handed down to Israel and all the promises to Abraham and all, all those things they've held on to. And Mary's saying, yes, and once again, he has proven He's faithful to those things. You can trust him as you go through this journey of life. Would you pray with me this morning? What a great time, two weeks before Christmas comes, <clears throat> to be reminded of what Christmas is and the things that we see that are just a uh, reflection of the great story of what Christmas is in our culture and in our time. They are a great celebration. And Father, we thank you that we can celebrate with our friends and family and even during this time, even with people who may not have the friends and the family that they're looking for. It's such a good opportunity for us to show kindness and uh, be a blessing to someone else who needs a sign. They need something to say that God is still faithful and God is still watching after them also. Lord, thank you that uh, you're willing and it's your desire to use us in that way. And if you're here and you've never made room in your heart, in your life for Jesus to come and live, in other words, you've never decided that you're gonna trust him as you go through this journey of life. What a wonderful time to do that to say, God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you that Jesus was born the way he was born, in the place that he was born. I thank you that you chose Mary and Joseph and Zachariah and Elizabeth and so many others so that I would know, Lord, that you also have a plan for me. And through your son Jesus, Lord, there is a choice that you have made to extend grace and mercy, compassion to me also, as well as, Lord, to show me that you are more than willing to come in and lead me as I walk through life. Lord Jesus, come live in my heart. Forgive me my sins. Lead me, guide me, fill me with a new spirit, your spirit, a new life. In Jesus' name I pray.